0: hello and welcome guys to another episode of real talk with Benno. i'm lucky enough today to be joined by former giants melbourne and north melbourne midfielder dom tyson dom how yo, mate
1: Benno, thanks for having me on mate i'm going well how about yourself
0: yeah good mate good it's good to finally get in i think last time we caught up was right as lockdown in melbourne ended we caught up for a beer and a chat which was awesome you can head to the zero hanger website to catch that. But, I mean, we've been talking about getting this done. You've you've been quite busy, Clutch and Co. I mean, tell us how you've been going, what you've been up to in that time.
1: Yeah, grinding away, mate. It's been good. Enjoyable journey for me. Um, Plenty to learn. A lot of trial and error. Um, And in terms of the podcast, I haven't been dodging up, I promise. Um, (laughs) I've jumped on Tommy Sheridan's got a platform. Um, So he's been in my year. I'm I'm working next to him out of a co-working space just here in Cremorne. So... Tommy got me, um, and then I thought, I don't want to saturate the audience, mate, so I'll give us a little <laughs> bit of a breather, um, but here I am, mate, and excited to um, get stuck in with you.
0: Nah, it's awesome to have you on, mate. Tommy Sharon is definitely one that we've got on the list as well, so we might to yeah. hit you up after this one and see what he's doing. He said you're only next door to us here, so I'll, um, I'll let him know I'll make sure he can't avoid me this way. But, um, mate, Clutch & Co., it's a golf clothing company. Before we get stuck into the heart of the company, yeah. golf obviously must be a passion of yours. We've just come off the Masters... Last week, how much of it did you end up watching?
1: Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I was up early on the Friday morning Australian time, so it was probably 4.30, got that 5 o'clock coverage. Mate, I I, I even love the the commentary. Like, I love, you know, Nick Faldo, Jim Nance, and um, the bloke that does 16. I've I've forgotten his last name, but he's a fossil. He's been around for years. Um, Loved it. Aussies, obviously we had Smith in contention, which kept it very engaging for everyone here in Australia. And then Scotty Sheffler, well... I mean, if you actually did study the form line, it was there right in front of you. Mm. Um, but I don't think he was talked about enough or people didn't have him on he, on their radar. Um, rock solid, bit of a dodgy swing. Like, I don't think it's one that um, the pros would teach with his foot movements, but great hand eye or whatever it is that just gets everything in uh, rhythm for him. And he's he just seemed like he had the clutch gene, didn't he? So he sort yeah. of wasn't phased. I think I saw a quote that he said, the... Um, the only time he sort of really allowed himself to take it all in was walking up 18, so he relaxed a bit, switched off a bit. E four putts, <laughs> so it was lucky that he had such a big buffer coming up 18. But um, yeah, everything about the Masters is I love it. The, as I said, the coverage. Um, I don't know, even from your couch at home, you feel like you're in a different world yeah. watching it. So there's no phones. If you, yeah, they're obviously banned on course. So yeah, the energy from what it looks like just looks. Pretty unique.
0: Yeah, it's it's an unbelievable week. I think I, I caught you yeah, Friday morning, a bit of early Saturday morning before yeah. I had to be before Footy and then I got up early for Monday for Smitty and yeah. obviously pair that the way I think a lot of a lot of us would have hoped, but did take away from it was an unbelievable an unbelievable week. I did drop a bit of money on Smitty after you won the Hawaiian Open got him at 34 and I thought that was money for And he's back 9 it reminded yeah. me a bit of myself to be honest he's fell apart yeah and, well that
1: uh, it was on the 12th wasn't it the yeah, past yeah. so um, I mean it's one swing Yeah. can sort of undo 72 holes I mean it's so brutal but um, it probably wasn't even that bad of a swing was it no like, it's just
0: I mean I, I would have I taken it time yeah. yeah I
1: think we, we, we all would have and then The chip that they have to hit as the third on the 12th, I think that's terrifying. That's nightmare stuff. We'd be in the water, skinny long, up in the shrubs, you know, unplayable. Chip it back over into the water, so, you know. uh, I think
0: Tiger hit a 10 there last year, which I think it was humbling. I I know, you're right, last year. It was as humbling as anything I've ever seen. Yeah. I've tended a lot easier holes, but to say Tiger 10, 10 there, you can get a grip for just how difficult that might be. I
1: think he birdied four of the next yeah. <laughs> five in true fight back, whereas our round capitulates from there. Yeah, right? well,
0: I think he birdied it on the Sunday this year, yeah. so I think he um, might have got his own. Under- I think it was like the fourth time he birdied that hole out of 90-odd rounds, yeah. which is just petrified. Yeah. Um, so now Clutch and Co, I mean, tell for the people listening that maybe haven't read the articles, yet recommend you do, but for those who maybe don't know or haven't heard about it, tell us about it.
1: Yeah, so we're an e-commerce platform. We're doing a little bit of wholesale stuff now, but I basically started the Golf Apparel brand um, back in 2017 when I was still playing footy. Didn't have a lot of time, so it sort of sat idle or just as a low priority for me for a few years. And then it wasn't until around that nationwide lockdown 2020, March, um, things converted from bricks and mortar through to e-commerce and we had a few bit of a sales spike. I sort of was keen to investigate, you know, what, what was selling, why it was selling, what the, the consumers were liking about the platform. And then I got engaged and I loved it. So I sort of, ever since then, it's been a passion. Um, and now as we sit in 2022, it's my full-time job.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. I've seen, I mean, tracking on the side, has been, it's been quite busy. You've been doing a lot, you know, a few events out of course and they said you were with Tommy Sheridan on the pod the other week. Yeah, I mean, talk us through those kind of events. What have you been doing to get the yeah, the brand name going?
1: Yeah, look, it's um, yeah, first of all we brought on a graphic designer, uh, Jamie Spaz, called J Spar Creative. So he does probably day day and a half a week for us just to get everything looking more professional. So website edits to social media um, campaign, ed, like email campaign graphics. So he's been great. So a lot a lot of the optic of things going well, it's actually just him touching things up for us, which is great. Um, seems to resonate well and then yeah we partnered with the um aflpa for their afl alumni golf day down at moona links i think we had 120 participants all wearing a clutch and Co polo with a co-branded um, embroidery of the afl alumni script so that was great good exposure for us um, done some print advertising in some of the leading golf magazines we've got a little outdoor billboard here um, through an old teammate of mine james Strauss, who works for a company called cbo so he sort of um step me through that process so that's been good just as an additional touch point um and then just other campaign stuff yeah we're we're just giving it all a crack like as i think i might have mentioned real early on just it's all trial and error like you sort of whatever it is like i'm it's all new to me so i'll I'll, yeah put some money into it or give it a crack put my name to it um you know measure it and see, see how you go and then if it's worth pursuing you Maybe you put a bit more money into it or if you pull out and try something else. So there's a lot of that mainly in the marketing side of things Um, because I guess I am an e-commerce platform that sells direct to consumer. So I've got to try and get as many touch points out there as possible. Um, Yeah, so it's all building brand awareness that hope becomes a conversion
0: yeah you make a trial and error there what are some of the things maybe early on or even now that you, you tried it that just didn't work what are some of the learnings you've had from that? heaps
1: heaps a um, lot of it was uh, just being too green and raw to probably the back end of the website um, so I mean real early on we actually had an email connected to the website which was you know for returns and size queries you know basic customer service we, we weren't accessing that email um, at all really so we've 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 got some historical stuff from five years ago where we just were um it was just a miscommunication between me and my brother and we thought he was handling it i thought you know vice versa and we just um, could never sort of catch up on all those ones so i do the customer service now and i love it so I'm, I'm engaging and writing back and um you know handling the returns and any size queries i'm jumping on and asking you know mate i'm six foot one and i'm a medium so yeah let's work off that and i can you know, step you through that. So it's been good to have some back and forth on the emails. Other things, let me think. Um, we're in right now. We're we're in an agreement um, in terms of like a monthly fee for some ad print advertising. Um, probably not getting anywhere near enough return on investment in that. So I've agreed to a length of term. Um, I'll be trying to exit that one the minute that's up. So there's one that just hasn't had enough sell through. Um, yeah, we had one. Uh, not as much trial and error, but just a bit of an oversight. Uh, customer reviews are great to have listed on your website for conversion, you know, just build your credibility as a brand. Um, there's a back end automation available on the website where, um, you know, send an email 14 days after purchase. It's a bit of a thank you and how do we do? And it's got a click through to leave a review for whatever they purchased, that product. Yeah. I'm thinking we've had you know, a certain number of orders and we've never had one review. So I'm thinking, how lazy are our bloody customers? They can't even just one of them. You know, I've got family members in there. I've got really good mates in there. Just one person leave us a review. And it probably was only a few months ago. I went, I've got to investigate this. Like, what's going on? Is the email got spelling mistakes in it? Is it? And eventually I clicked through to about four different click throughs and there was just this green little toggle button that said switch on automation. <laughs> So I didn't even have that email being sent out for two years. So we've had it on for um, probably two months now and we've had, I think, 45 customer reviews. So that's just one thing. So now the website's got some customer reviews sitting there. Everyone can see it, whoever jumps on the website. So there's little things like that that pop up. Yeah. Yeah, you're just learning constantly.
0: Yeah. Um, golf apparel. I mean, obviously, passion for golf would help that. But why all I go for apparel? Kind of what what drove you in that direction, especially when you're still playing footy? Like what caught your eye, maybe you Yeah,
1: um, wasn't through like a huge deep dive into like the macro environment or anything like that. A competitor analysis. It was more just um, I've got uh, some family history in sports sporting goods manufacturing and distribution with my old man. Um, so there was a shortcut there, at sort of the back end of the design level. I could sort of um, utilize some of his resources to get some products created. Yep. And we had some contacts that would be on intro with manufacturers. So um, that was super helpful obviously. And then I loved golf and I was studying commerce at uni. So I was sort of combining a few things. And then to be honest, I think it's probably a bit of a myth um, in the AFL industry, not industry, but. The perception of the AFL industry, you've actually got a lot of time on your hands, especially in season. So, um, you know, it's physically demanding, but you do get per the um, AFLPA, you know, CBA negotiations, you do get a day and a half off per week. Um, so if you're sort of on top of things enough where you can um, create your own business and give it a crack, there is probably enough time to get something up and going. So it's more yeah, combination of four or five different things, and I thought, I'll give it a crack, and then, yeah, I definitely underestimated the time required, because it just was sat low on my priority list for a while, yeah. but um, I guess the benefit is it was up and going when I was playing footy, and you know there was a little bit of profile I could come in on the back of and get some some of my footy mates to help pump it up for me, so there was some benefits in starting it then, but um, it's not till post-footy where I've really understood the time and effort required,
0: and how, how have you found that? So you're coming out of, as you said, it's probably a bit more time off, but in terms of mentally and physically, have you got to be on quite a lot with footy for those intense moments, you've got to be switched on at the club yeah. and in game. How have you found kind of transferring that in a business where, I mean, this is yours now, you've got to be kind of across everything. How have you found transferring maybe switching on and switching off between bits and kind of staying on as often as possible?
1: Yeah, a lot of similarities, I reckon. Um, I'm probably more switched on with the business side of things because there's a lot that you've just got to be across. Whereas footy, there's a lot of unknowns, like um, you can prepare really well. You know, you can do your main session, train the best on track on the main session, get your extra touch done, your extra kicking, um, do your weights, do your recovery, do your vision with coaches all during the week. Game day, the ball bounces a different way, doesn't it? So all the prep during the week for game day, it's almost to help minimize your opportunity of having a bad day, because you've prepared really well, you're physically good, you feel sharp, You know what's, you've done your OPPO analysis, you know what's gonna play out to a certain degree. With business, it's a little bit similar in a way where you can, um, if you're gonna launch a new product, it's almost like a game day. So you're probably prepping from a while out there for your game day, Um, and you might start with, all right, you gotta get your imagery right, you gotta get your product descriptions right, you gotta get your listings on your website. Is it a smooth customer journey for the new products? Um, And then your big email campaign that goes out to your subscribers is almost like your game day or my version of it at the moment anyway so and then that a little bit of adrenaline kicks in and It's like all right you've had a good day with sales that's almost like a good day with footy because you prepped hard for it you put things in place um and then it's worked or you didn't have a good day so it's sort of yeah you still get that emotional a little bit of a, not roller coaster but um feedback emotional feedback and uh yeah you, you feel it a little bit similar to how you'd feel a bad day in footy.
0: Did you find, it's obviously is pretty structured when you're there, you kind of, well you're there for my and you're kind of told what's going on when. Do you find that structure kind of helps moving in a business where you're so used to a regimented schedule that it's kind of easy, like easier for you to be able to go and do a miss and then miss and then miss? Spot on. You do get, um, footy does teach you to
1: be really organised or did for me anyway. Um, a lot of other guys can get away a bit more on instinct and just because they're so good. Um, but for me, I felt like I really needed to be organised and diligent and do the extras. Um, similar with business, I guess, like you've, because uh, there's so many different things you've got to think about. If you're not organised then things just fall through the cracks. So, like I am a pretty strict, Diary operator and, and list writer, um, and I love ticking things off and just moving on to the next thing with a little bit of a sense of completion. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's definitely some similarities in that. I'm, I guess the differences are with footy, you're in a team environment. Right now, like I outsource a few tasks, but I'm technically a, a one man show. So um, yeah, you don't have the. Um, not the camaraderie but yeah you sort of um the ability to bounce off another one is something that you don't quite get yeah. as much in the day-to-day that i'm doing at the moment
0: do you find with that that you feel the wins and the losses may be a bit more intense like you sp- as footy you might lose but you lost to 21 other blokes and you might yeah. be able to kind of you you might have even had a good day or you might win but you've had a shit game or you win and you get to win. do you find that now you take the losses maybe a bit more like that was that was me or anything you take the wins and go okay, well done me."
1: yeah with footy you, you do have to move on quick like it's almost a little bit of a regret of mine is um, you know the team's had a great win and you've played well you've got to move on by Monday Arvo don't you like I mean it's just the nature of it because you've got to start prepping for next week so you're almost like no I don't even want to talk about it you know like if someone's like mate geez you had a good game on the weekend and it's Thursday you've already tried to wipe that from your mind because you don't want to get caught thinking about that um, because it might, yeah, just hinder your prep for the next week because you're trying to move on and focus on the next challenge. Probably with business, um, if you're referencing like a sales outcome, then yeah, you probably, probably does take you a little bit longer to think about the next thing, but it does move pretty fast. Like you've sort of, like although uh, you've had a poor result for an e- email campaign that's sent to your subscribers next day you're like well i'm going to watch these products on social media so you might get a good response on the social media so there's always um different things you can try and and then give it a crack so um and that's like i'm in this phase where i'm not you know although you don't try to ride the bumps too high or too low it's just it is what it is get on with the next uh opportunity
0: and how, how do you find like your social growth at the moment since the last time we spoke you've probably had a bit more prolific the company on social media how have you found the growth there has it been something that's kind of happened quickly with more posting is it something that's gradually kind of growing
1: yeah consistency is important I reckon Um, I'm no social media expert by any means like um, you know a lot of the times I do chat to people that are a bit more um, uh, switched on in that area than I am and they're sort of giving a lot of RFIs like room for improvement so um, I'm learning on that side of things but um, it's all just engagement, really. Like it's you know, if you're throwing something out there that's a bit more organic and um, bringing in people on the journey, I feel like that responds better than just you know, pure product shots or just some things that you know don't necessarily engage too well. But um, definitely, definitely good fun because I'm I'm on the social media as well, so it's me behind that account. So you do get interactions with people on there, and I think you know, a fair few people have catched it, caught on that it is me in there. So like a few times, it's a hey Dom rather than hey Clutch and Co or hey team or hey whoever's behind this account. Can you help me? So yeah, that's that's ended up being a bit of fun and I do enjoy it. I mean, hopefully, hopefully the business grows to the point where someone else can absorb yeah. that and I'm at a stage where I can outsource that. But right now I'm yeah day to day on the social media account.
0: We'll move towards footy for a bit. Um, I was saying we'll start with a bit of a plan. When 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 you're playing, I mean. Was it easy to make, like when you decided to launch Clutch & Co and you're still play I think you were in Melbourne at the time. Is it, I mean, how was the decision process to make that decision mid-career? I think you see a lot of players probably wait until they're out. Yeah. Um, and right But how did that kind of come across to you while you're still kind of in the system? How does that come to you and think, oh, this is the time?
1: Yeah. Um, I think it was about 23. I would have still been at Melbourne. Um, yeah, just at the time, I was, you know, playing regular senior footy. I was still at university, but I was sort of, on top of things there, just in a part-time basis. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't really overthink it. I just thought, let's create something. You've got some um, really valuable resources through my family, you know, my, my old man and what his, he does in his business. So it was more just um, timing and opportunity felt right, pull the trigger, give it a crack. Um, and I mean, look, even someone like Jack Watts, he'd launch launched Squash, you know, maybe a year to 18 months earlier. Um, there's no real barriers to starting an e-commerce other than probably the you know initial financial capital required, um, you can set up a website, you can trademark, you know, buy your domain and sell your, your product or service. So um, yeah, so it's, it, I just for me it was more just have a crack at it, and um, it never you know footy was still more of a priority, you know, family footy, uni, playing golf, you know, and then going out for lunch with the boys and doing other social activities was probably higher than clutching code back then. So um, it didn't feel like a, a burden at all. And um, yeah, probably due to the fact that I didn't put a heap of time into it at the start.
0: Yeah. Um, start off, it was, we'll talk to me in time of the days, which is probably the peak of, of your time on the AFL. You started at GWS in an, an expansion team. I mean, it's 10 years since that I think it's a month is 10 years from the first win. Yeah. What, what's it like playing in an expansion team? It's something that, I mean, 80 people really in my time have done, it's something that's quite rare. I mean, what, what's that like when you get drafted and, I mean, most of the side's either 18 or 30 and you're starting something from the ground up?
1: Yeah, it's, well, it's a whirlwind um, when you get drafted, for sure, especially interstate um, and especially to a club that wasn't really established. Like, we, um, mem- from memories, like we moved up into Breakfast Point, which is like a bit of a gated community, retirement village community feel. Um, and they obviously threw about 35, 18-year-olds in there to ruffle a few feathers. So it was good fun and high energy but you know you're obviously driving to training with you know a full car the boys and you're driving home you're going out for dinner with the, you know, a different crew or the same crew so it's real social you're having a few beers on the weekends and I mean Sydney's a pretty cool place to live when you're 18, 19 out of home for the first time um, with other 18, 19 year olds yeah. um, and the club was really good in a sense where um, they did obviously we were getting smashed a bit on field but it didn't feel like that it sort of they were pretty keen to keep the dialogue around development and try and showcase your talents um, yeah so like we'd lose by 80 but I felt like the morale was always pretty good in there because it was just you know you're living out your dream you're playing AFL footy so um, yeah no one really got too down on themselves in that environment um, and then from my end like, I, I was only there for two years and I had a um, PCL MCL knee reconstruction in my second year so I only got back for the last maybe two games of the year, I think, or maybe it might have been one and then missed a couple and then played the last round. But yeah, I think in my 13 games, I was sub a couple of times, played in the first game, played in the first win, um, and that was it. So I was out of there by, um, I, did, I actually signed a contract to stay there for two more years, but um, then the Melbourne offer came through uh, in the off season. Um, and I, yeah, they just presented presented it to me and it was all pretty amicable back and forth and I thought, well, I probably saw myself getting back to Melbourne to play footy at some point. Probably happened a bit earlier than I thought, but yeah, the opportunity was there and it, it all felt good. So why not give it a crack?
0: What was, you mentioned Breakfast Point. I mean, yeah. what, I mean, there's a few stories hearing from the young guys that have come out of FIFA tournaments and all the like. What, what was Breakfast Point like? like as, again, yeah. it's probably something that the footy world doesn't, hasn't heard a lot of. But it was such an... I remember when the Giants were announced, it was, you know, they're going to have this amazing placement. Take us into what, what it was like living... And how many how many of the, of you were there and there? Yeah. Um,
1: I think even to, to this day, I think most of the first year guys get set up at breakfast point. I'm not sure if they still do it, but they definitely were doing that up until a few years ago. Um, pretty much everyone that was on the list was in breakfast point. So even like Luke Power and Chad Corns and Dean Brogan and the older boys were in, I think Izzy Folau might have been um, outside of it, um, big family, I think, and um, he obviously was established. We were all new to the city. Um, yeah, so we're all in there. Um, I lived with Steve Canelio for the first year, and then the second year, we actually moved into a little bit of a bigger house around the corner, um, and we had uh, Satana helping, and then we had a few people roll through, like I think Johnny Patton was in there for a bit, Toby was in there for a bit, um, and then we just had a spare room where family members who were coming up but uh, it's good fun uh, there's like a I forgot what, you, what would you call it like a country club where there was you know there's a pool and a bit of a gym and um, like a cafe and yeah like sort of in the middle of breakfast point and then there's little IGA and cafes so it's you know you just you'd see all the boys every day you know and they the club set up um, as part of your living away from home allowance that you get via the AFL We had set restaurants we could go to like Monday to Thursday, like in the area. So, you know, Monday night, it would just go on the the club's tab. If you went down to the pasta joint or, you know, a tie joint on the Tuesday, then there was a pub we'd go to on the Wednesday called the Palace, which um, you'd also go to for beers if, you know, the timing matched up. So, yeah, it was just a good, fun environment. Um, Bit of a stuff around with like training in a way, because we'd sort of, the headquarters weren't there when I first was up there so you'd drive out to Blacktown which would be like 45 minutes away um, or even another ground because Blacktown's ground wasn't always available I think it was, I forgot the name of it but um yeah then you'd obviously go to a, a swimming pool to do some e- recovery which was another half an hour away and then you might go back to Blacktown to do your education yeah. sessions and then you might go to uni NSW no, what was it called the New South Wales Institute of Sport and Swiss or something for weights. So we're in about four different venues on a given day, um, which, but we knew nothing better. We, we hadn't tasted anything else. So we still thought it was great, you know, whatever, We'd just get on with it and um, get into it.
0: Was that, so when you, when you got to Melbourne, obviously you're back home and that's awesome. And then when you get to one facility, yeah. was it where you a bit yeah. like, oh, geez, this is, how yeah, this?
1: I remember what hit me first is it wasn't so much the facility. It was the fact that it was volunteers. So I remember like Property Stewards, um, they just did it because they were absolute Melbourne tragics and there'd be people at training and Melbourne wasn't six, too successful when I got there and they're not, they are not—they weren't a powerhouse that they're sort of feeling like they're becoming now. But um, yeah, I just remember like, geez, what's this person doing? Like they, they're washing our towels and <laughs> cleaning our boots and we've got yeah, lockers and things like that. So the facilities was part of it but I was still just remember being like um oh, who's this bloke that like picks up the balls at training and places the cones and where's yeah so i was sort of blown away by like probably the 10 volunteers that are involved in the place
0: do you do you look now like now that you made the move you said you're going to come back anyway you fell and i think a lot of guys probably feel that way when they go but did you when you now looking back go you said like the offer came when it came but you know was there a party that thought, oh, I was liking Sydney and I was probably more prepared to stay and, or are you, are you happy to get back at it? You know, you weren't going too fussy yet when it happened. No, I was keen
1: to get back. I'd, I'd had that knee, Rico, um, in my second year um, and I didn't play much footy and then you just... I'm not, like, I'm not a full footy head so I, I do like getting away from the game and coming back to it to switch on but you just didn't have much of an outlet up there because when you're injured, I remember... Um, because of the Easter show that was on for the start of the year, uh, the seniors would play down in Canberra, and so would the reserves. And then they were a bit under resourced in the physio and high performance side of things. So you might have just been left in Sydney with sort of like a, um, you know, maybe one staff member with maybe four or five blokes. So you just didn't have a heap going on, um, yeah. yeah, around that time. So I sort of remember. Gina, you know I wouldn't mind having my schoolmates to catch up with and my brothers and do some things back in Melbourne when you were away from the footy club
0: how, how often did you get to see like friends and family from Melbourne I mean obviously when you play in Melbourne you might have got the chance in that first year, but how yeah. often were you kind of able to maybe get them up or
1: no they were really good the club um, I think any time one of the boys sort of had you know, a 50, you know parents 50th or like a big event um, they'd allow you to fly home and um, often they'd sort of do what they could to probably pay for the flight or just go the extra mile um, you know and even if, if you did get a game in Melbourne on the Saturday they'd, they'd say you know you, you guys can fly in on the Thursday and stay through to the Sunday night so they're really good with little things like that um, and then yeah my parents yeah were lucky enough to come up a bit when I was playing and my brother snuck up a few times as well so and a couple of my schoolmates would come up and they loved it just as a little fast paced weekend for yeah. them and a bit of fun so um,
0: yeah good lifestyle
1: Definitely up there.
0: So you, you get to Melbourne and you became a fixture in that midfield at a time where the club probably was starting to make the transition to what they are now. I think they'd gone from being probably the laughing stock of the comp, and you got there under roos, and there was a lot of kind of change and the move started. I mean, how did you, how did you find yourself fitting in? Because you fit in quite quickly and you became quite a regular. I mean, how did you find that to coming back off the knee? Okay.
1: Yeah, well, I was a bit underdone heading into that first year in Melbourne physically, um, but I guess like I'd been recruited across and I I got given great opportunity like I was starting midfield round one Um, uh, yeah Rusey sort of really backed me in there so I felt felt um, felt like I had his support or the club support so I just felt confident and off you go Um, yeah just thinking back on that year we sort of we had Daniel Cross come across and come across Crossy here Here you go Um, Bernie Vince played as well Uh, he was his first year at Melbourne and then you know would have been jackie viney's second year maybe so uh the midfield was st- and obviously jonesy was sort of coming off that bnf um he might have won three in a row just about mm. in that around that time so he was still prime mover as well so there was enough going on in that midfield where we challenged a bit but yeah ultimately we were, we we're still probably a bit off because i think we only won four games that first year maybe so um yeah but for me i sort of just felt like i was finally finding my rhythm at AFL level it's always a hard and challenging but I felt like I you know I can contribute and influence some games
0: Do yeah. you mentioned Jack Viney there that's one that is an interesting interesting note because I think people sometimes can forget that he was captain of the club I think I did when your time there he was quite young though how did you find him kind of take on that role? how did he deal with it because obviously no a captain but he's become a superstar mm. um, how did you find him as captain at that age and maybe like was he ready or how did he deal with it Um, Yeah, I guess, well, you can have different types of
1: captains. Like, I guess uh, Vines is like, because he's such an on-field brute and the way your style that he plays is so um, how you try to depict how you'd want a captain playing, sort of just so demanding and physical and doesn't take a backward step. So I think that would have been a fair motivation behind elevating him to being captain. So he was probably a little bit premature, but... I guess you've got to take a leap at some point in time. And I think he was co captain initially for that first year or two. So there's a, you know, you can take off, you know, if, if, if he does want to do all the media commitments, you've got a co captain that can help you out in that role. So there's ways you can wax off each other there. But yeah, look, yeah, the way, the style that he plays, he was, yeah, definitely a, a captain that you'd, you'd be keen to run out next to.
0: And so then, uh, Mel, in your time, you, you can't finish that first year, you put you put together some really good football and some regular football, which would become something to cherish given the injury run you kind of suffered later on. I mean, do you look back now at that time and do you look back and think, geez, you're stuck in the midfield in a side that maybe was battling a bit, but you played some pretty consistent footy. Is it, does it sit with you now pretty well that you you know you, you cut it well and you played really good football? I think it's probably harder to play good football in an average team than it probably isn't a better team. Do you look at that and think, you know what, I played good football against good midfields when we will probably a touch-out match across the ground?
1: Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, no, I always, like, even from when I was getting drafted, I always thought I was up to the level. Um, I just wanted a clean run, and, yeah, like, a lot of things go into just timing, opportunity, staying healthy, confidence, but, uh, yeah, for a stage there, I was just playing some really good, consistent footy. So, um, yeah, like, I, I do, you know, sit here now going, like, I was definitely up to the level for a point in time there. Like, I do, even though I'm, out, I'm still playing VFL now, and I'm only out of the game half a year, but like I even watched a bit of it and um, even some of the trainings, I like, go, geez, they're good athletes now. Yeah. Like, and I'm only six months removed. So um, yeah, no I, no, I definitely enjoyed it. And um, felt like I, I had some good games there that you can uh, be proud of.
0: Any, any game that stands out in particular in your life?
1: Um, from a personal point of view yeah. or, or personal? Um, one game where it just all fell into place uh it was against Richmond on one of those Anzac Day Eve games um, and we won and, uh, yeah, I just remember, like, I, I think I just kicked it really well, it was covering the ground well, kicked a couple of goals. Friday, it was, I think it might have been Friday night, big crowd. Um, so you have a good, good feeling after that game.
0: And then team point of view, obviously those kind of wins when you're early on, I suppose any, like, team wins, whether it's Melbourne, GWS, anything that sticks yeah. in your mind is one of your better days out, out of the week.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because when you're young, um, you know, you obviously want to win, but you also just want to play well to cement your spot for the next week or just feel part of it. So, I mean, early days, that first win felt like we won a grand final when I was at the Giants. And then I probably got to Melbourne when you realized how hard it was to win. I mean, I've got that feeling at Giants a little bit as well. But um, we beat Adelaide over in Adelaide when we weren't going that well. And Adelaide were going well in 2014. That was a good win. we beat Geelong down in Geelong one year, 2015. That was a good win. And then 2018 was when we obviously made the prelim. I was sort of on the outer a little bit that year. So I sort of, like, although we got to a prelim, um, I probably enjoyed some other wins ahead of those finals wins yeah. just because I felt like I contributed more and felt more part of it. Yeah. But um, the adrenaline, you know, there's still a pretty good feeling out on the G winning in a finals for sure as well.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned, like, the, the finals run there. I mean what's what's that like obviously I mean it took a bit of a nose off the year after and then lifted for the days fans but I mean that that hype around Melbourne at that time just felt unbelievable um what was that like obviously being yeah, you in and out of the side is there a party where you're sitting there man like fuck I'm gonna, I'm gonna miss out here or are you think okay so I get there because I'm, I'm yeah. I can get in or how do, how do you kind of deal with those emotions
1: yeah well I felt like I was still playing good footy um I'd just been pushed to a wing a little bit um because Clayton Oliver and Harmsy and um Brayshaw and Viney were all playing so well um, like even Jonesy was pushed to a wing as well um, and like I did get dropped a couple of times when the team was just winning and they were bringing back I think you know, Viney gets injured he comes back I got dropped so I never felt too far out of form it was just I couldn't quite crack into my preferred slot like I obviously wanted to play a bit more inside mid um, and then I yeah I sort of felt like I was doing alright on the wing but it probably wasn't exactly how they wanted the wing being played with a bit more running capacity up and down i'd sort of try and creep into the contest a little bit and they sort of were we need you holding width on the outside a bit more so that was sort of a little bit to my downfall but um trying to think i did break my arm. i felt like i had put good months together in the lead up to the final series and i felt cemented not cemented but i definitely felt like i'd be getting picked you know around one of the finals first finals yeah. we came fifth so i would be that elimination yeah I broke my arm in round 23, fractured the outside bone of my forearm. And I had to get a plate put in and had surgery that night. And it was like a 10 day break. And I was up against it. Like I think the surgeon said, oh look, we've had some return in two weeks, but you know, it's still, um, the bone's still broken underneath the plate. Like if you cop another hit, like you'll be pretty sore. Um, but I, I sort of didn't do much for a week and then did the main session, you know, three or four days out from that game. I felt pretty good and then I remember Goody saying like, um, we're gonna pick you if you put your hand up to play. And I sort of, I still remember I had to do a fitness test the day before a game. Um, And I had to go do some contact stuff with the uh, midfield coach, uh, one of the assistant midfield coaches. Um, And I had to tackle him and fend him off and bump him and all this stuff. I remember I could do everything except fend him off. I just didn't have any power to fend off. So I was like, I mean, how many times do you actually fend off in a game if it's one or two? you can probably just cop that sharp bit of pain when it happens and hope it's alright a little bit later so I ended up saying to Goody I'm right to go um played I was look I didn't have great final series personally but I was, like the feedback I was getting after the game was no no mate like you're playing your role you're going well you, you you know keep doing what you're doing um even though I probably wasn't getting a heap of the ball or feeling like I was really in and amongst it but we were winning and we beat Geelong then we beat Hawthorne and then we obviously got smoked by um West Coast over there yeah. in the prelim
0: so that was before the 10 day break uh, the week off wasn't it in um,
1: so we went it was a week off after round 23 yeah. okay. but we played on the Thursday night oh yeah. yeah okay so it wasn't really like a true 14 a day break yeah I yeah. think so, yeah, we played on a Sunday and then the next game was a Thursday the following week
0: yeah that that um, that um West Coast game with we'll touch because I remember I had a friend who was a Melbourne fan and who's, I haven't been no in a grand final since 99 um, since Carl last in my and she said, you know, if no one make it, I'll take you. I've like, got well, two guys' eight tickets. I was all aboard the days. Um, sat down and watched the prelim, and I think it was within seconds, Jeff Kennedy snaps one in, and that, that's the slide gone. What what did that day feel? Because there, there was a feeling, definitely from the outside, that you were every chance. I'm sure you guys had every confidence that the system was ready to go. What does it feel like when you can see it slip away in a mudslide so fast? Yeah,
1: I think it just... Shows you that you weren't quite ready in that moment then and then, um, and they were too good. Like they were quick, they were fast, they were they were fresh. Like they'd had the week off, I think. Yeah, yeah. Coming into a home prelim, um, so they just they just put an onslaught on us in that first quarter, and um, like the ball bounced on some funny angles that gave them great looks. I remember, and I just thought, oh, it's going their way early, um, and the game was probably over halfway through the second quarter, so. Um, yeah, it's was it Yeah, I think looking back it was just um you know, it's one of those losses that you probably have to have in your journey. And like ideally they win the flag the next year Melbourne, yeah. off a loss like that, it took a couple of extra years. But I mean there was still probably ten to twelve players and maybe even I I don't know the number that played in that premium that yeah, won the granny. So yeah. um yeah, just one of those experiences. We were probably maybe we over it but we did come fifth uh, and we won in through to the prelim So, you know We, we weren't as if we were top two side heading after the regular yep. season Anything like that We should have made the granny It was more, you know You've got a crack at it Nothing to lose But we weren't good enough on the day
0: What does it, what does it feel like when If the gun's game, the over half way to a second If it, that's round 12 You can probably kind of find your own You know, motivation for something to get out of it Play well You know, you've got next week it's a lot when you know that's it. That's the campaign's coming to an. You're off the stadium, with forty thousand West Coast fans. It's all you know. It's a party for them. Which how, how do you kind of find? You know, what do you? What motivation do you find for the next? Other obviously personal pride and that. But how do you kind of? How do you feel in that moment?
1: Yeah, well, you don't. Yeah, like you don't let it. Uh, I, I didn't actually think the game was over half of this. set. So I was just reflecting on it now. Yeah. Um, you're still thinking you can pull off like a miraculous comeback. Um, or just do something where you're back in the game but no nah, look to be honest i think we probably just had a focus of winning the second half and see what comes of it. like win the third quarter win the third quarter come on keep the first goal of the third quarter create some energy just something like that would have been the messaging and the thought process like um i think look, i think we probably end up losing by 80 does that sound right yeah it was 70 it was or just 80 right, yeah. yeah it might have been around there um, but they probably did all their damage in the first half, so we, we might have settled it. Whether they put the cue on the rack a little bit or we actually did finally settle yeah. into the game, who knows? But, um, yeah, we, we probably had a better second half, obviously.
0: So then, I mean, your time at Melbourne comes end not too long after that. When, you know, when that happened, was because you said you'd been phased out of the midfield a bit, so that obviously might have played a role. Was, was it more the club kind of saying, hey, we don't see an opportunity for you, or did you kind of say hey, I want to say something, was it North that kind of came in and said, hey, we can offer you this. We had that process kind of start rolling on.
1: Yeah, no, it wasn't until um, my exit interview, which was, you know, that week after the prelim, um, and you sit down with Goody and the list manager was in there, and they basically said, I had one more year left on my contract at Melbourne, and they sort of said, look, um, with just how well some of those guys are going through the inside mids, we can't really see you sort of coming in over the top of them to get back in there as like a, you know, 80% 80% inside mid type player, um, so you've been pushed to a wing, and we're trying to do the right thing by not the right thing, but they sort of gave me a heads up that they were going to pretty heavily recruit for some specific wingmen. Like I think um, they didn't they didn't say some names, but I think they might even had a bit of a float around, you know, an Andrew Gaff or a Josh Kelly. Obviously, was someone that have always been keen to keep an eye on around there, and I'm not sure if that was the names, but I think they ended up getting Ed Langdon and Adam Tomlinson initially for that wing role yeah. and there might even have been someone else um Koldashini from the Suns so some more outside type guys so um they just said look we, we think that you'll probably end up being pretty hard to hold your wing spot as well um with some the way that we're going to recruit so if you've got some currency and you want to um yeah sort of engage with your manager and see what else is out there we, we'd encourage you to do that and support you doing that um so part of me was like you say, nah, stuff. for You, I'm contracted. I'm gonna fight my way back in. Yeah. But then the other parties, you've also got to be a little bit realistic. Like Clayton Oliver, oh. Christian Christian Petraka. <laughs> yeah, wasn't actually even in the midfield then. <laughs> he was half forward. Harms, um, um, he was he was going well in there as like a two way sort of tagger slash offensive guy. And um, yeah, Brayshaw was coming off a third. He's actually pushed to the wing himself yeah. now. Like he's sort of not getting that many minutes in there now. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, no, I don't regret leaving or um, pursuing a, another opportunity. Um, obviously with North, I got there, had a three-year deal and I only played, what did I play, six games I yeah, think. So um, just injury-prone stuff and then they obviously went through rebuild, yeah. with it, which they're still in the absolute middle of at the moment.
0: If you mentioned like, yeah, the one you're contracting, you might have wanted to start it. If that was two, it was, like If that was two years, would you have maybe dug your heels in a bit more? Obviously a um, three-year deal offered by North would have been quite attractive. But if it was two at Melbourne it's three North. we may have dug in more or?
1: Not sure. Not sure. Um, yeah. Look, if it was, a, if they still had two more years and they said, look, um, yeah, you, I probably would have stuck around for one more year and then hope that I've still got some currency after yeah. the one year. But you also don't want to play a year in the twos and then try to get traded after mm. being stuck in the twos for a full year. Because I still, in that year, 2018, I did get dropped twice, but I still played, I think, 17 or 18 games in that year. So I was still playing most weeks. So I thought, yeah, I could, I could feel, you know, I could feel that they were going to go in a different direction. I could just, yeah, get a sense that they'll, every team, if you don't win a premiership, you've got to make improvements yep. or at least trial some improvements. So I could sense that they were pretty keen to look at someone else in that type of position.
0: So then you head off to North and. I mean, injuries derailed your time there, unfortunately. I mean, how was that you, you get for the new, the fresh start? And the, was there an element of you that want to be like, oh God, I want to play 22 yards, play awesome, and kind of prove to Melbourne at some extent or to, to outside people, you know, hey, you know, I'm a good inside me if I'm a good footballer? And then, you know, after that, how did you then deal with the fact that you, were just, you couldn't get that clear run that you spoke about?
1: Yeah, well, I got to North, and um, they were sort of pretty encouraging that we'll get you back as. Um, predominantly an inside mid, like you obviously got to spit out to the wing or half forward or some other spots, but they're like we see as, you know, back into the inside centre bounce top player and I was, um, yeah, keen to do that um, and I felt really good during pre-season and I actually played the first three games and we were 0-3, and three. Brad Scott was under a bit of pressure, I was, you know, I think I was getting 20, 20 touches or, you know, I was okay, probably didn't be a little bit better. Few tackles, few clearances. I sort of was felt like that big game was coming though. And they sort of said, look, um, we're gonna drop you down to VFL this week. We've got to trial something else. Um, and I did my calf in that VFL game. So, and then I spent about 12 weeks out with a calf. I came back to play VFL again um, and, and dislocated my shoulder. I needed a sh- full shoulder reconstruction. So that was my first year done. And then the second year, Obviously, Brad Scott changed over to Reshaw. That was coming into 2020. So I was sort of eased into pre-season because of my shoulder and still my calf was lingering a little bit. Um, I was a bit underdone. Missed out on round one selection and then COVID hit. Three months. Yeah. Um, sabbatical. Came back and I think they gave us a three-week lead into round two. Yeah, and then um, we had an opportunity to train for three weeks before round two of that COVID year, and then I blew my calf out again, and then that was about a 12-weeker again, and the season was only, I think, 14 weeks, so we're obviously up in a hub in Queensland. Um, And then we had Nobes come in at 2021, and I felt fresh again. Sort of had a big pre-season and really managed myself well. Played round one and round two um, of last season, and I just... (laughs) I just missed so much footy that I probably needed, you know, four to six weeks to just get back up to speed, the match intensity. And I just, obviously you don't have that luxury unless you're maybe a first or yeah. second year player to probably take a month to find your feet. So I was, I was out of the team by round three uh, and blew my calf again. <laughs> so I got back and played a bit of VFL footy. Um, and then I actually ended up needing knee surgery later on in the year with a meniscus tear. So. Like, probably in three years, i probably only played six AFL games and maybe four VFL yeah. games, so it wasn't a lot of footy.
0: When, when Scotty, dropped you, did you was there an element you thought, well, you've brought me in, you know, to be one of your starting mids. We're three, we're three weeks into whatever this plan looks like. Was there an element where you're like, fuck like, you know, you time. Like, you're, you're not, a, you're not, as you said, you're not in the first you're second in you place, so you're not going to be gifted that those five, six games, but you're not playing an awful football. Was there a bit of you was like... What is, what's what have you brought me here for if you need to drop me in three weeks or?
1: Yeah, oh look I found Scotty a really um professional operator. Like I, I thought the way he spoke was um he was pretty honest. Like he, he sort of outlined to me, like, mate, you're going all right, like I'm not sort of dropping you off pure form here. It's um like we're just a little bit desperate to trial something new, like we're zero and three, we're expected to play finals. Um, you know, at that time I didn't know that he was probably that he whether his job was on the line or not around then. Hmm. Yeah, I think we might even have been coming into a Good Friday game. So I think they just, uh, yeah, he was honest. Like he just said, um, mate, don't think you're out of form. Like you're probably in the week after. We just gotta, we just gotta be seen to shuffling the cards a bit here, mate. So I, I appreciated the honesty because at times, yeah. you know, um, I might have been dropped before where the coach goes, oh, mate, you need to work on this, this and this, um, and you're like, you know, you've got three or four things that you're now focusing on, and then you're actually going, well. Was I that was I that out of form, or was it just yeah. you just sort of plucked a few things that you sort of used as a you know reason? So
0: when you so you, mentioned, you mentioned that little when you were spending your time at North, you like Scotty this and Shory that and yeah. none that. You were up for three years, three different coaches, and all under pretty weird circumstances. Scotty, his time kind of came to an abrupt end of sort of just kind of out of no middle of the season thing has gone. Shory comes in. Sure he has his issues, leaves, and then Nobes. Did that kind of play a part as well when you're you like you weren't Surey's guy, you weren't Nobes' guy, you're also, as you said, you're not one of these draftees. Was that kind of a part where you're thinking like, you know, the, the decks shuffling around you per se, and you're like, yeah. well, when's it gonna settle so you can get into the into the groove? Yeah,
1: like a lot of things out of your control there. Um, and it changed pretty quickly. So I guess like you're building relationships with coaches and then, you know, two or three times they've done a pretty sort of um big sweep the decks of the coaches so you got to restart and um with the restart there's a rebuild so obviously coaches are more inclined to play some youngsters on a rebuild then you know by then i was 26 27 so with some injury issues so you're probably not um too appealing to some of the coaches on your back end but look in fairness like nobs um he was really good with my communication like he you know, he sort of said to me, he's like, mate, I don't really trust your body in that pre-season. Like, you've got to prove to me you're up for it. Um, well, okay, mate, how do I do that? We mapped out a bit of a plan on what he needed to see from me, and I delivered. I played, he rewarded me with a round one game. So, um, yeah, there were some good comms from nobs on that on that last year.
0: How, how nervous are you when he says, like, I don't trust your body? Like, that's kind of out of your control. You can do all the prep you want, but if the car's going to go, the car's going to go. Yeah. I mean, when they say, I don't trust your body, you kind of sit there and like, Neither, like, I can't do anything about that.
1: Um, No, he said it was more like um, I need you to start trusting your body as well. So it was more like I think he showed me an edit where um, he wanted me to take off and I gave a handball when I had some space. And he's like, mate, you, uh, I reckon I've seen you, I've watched some edits of you back in the day. You would have attempted a sidestep here or you would have just taken off or done something. And he's like, you just, you know, you've done a little handball, it was on, put the bike under a bit of pressure, but. we could have got a better outcome. He yeah. just showed me a bit of a clip like that. And right. then he, he sort of goes, on, I need you to start driving your legs, backing yourself in. And, um, you know, so we, st- like I started implementing some things into my training that supported him and me. Like we put a plan together. So that was sort of more what, what that was about.
0: Yeah. And then, um, so we'll touch on the exit meeting and then we'll move back to go before we wrap up. But yeah. exit meetings are something that I, I like to talk to a lot of the guys we have on here about. them, so I think they are, incredible moments that we, you know, guys like me on the outside don't get to see or hear too much of. And they tend to not be as negative as we all, you know, get the idea they might be when in essence you're being let go from your job. I mean, what was yours like? Did did you have, was the writing on the wall? Was it an acceptance? I mean, how did you kind of take that in?
1: Yeah. So I had, uh, I think I mentioned there before, I had a meniscus surgery in my knee probably about a month out from the season. Like I just got back to playing VFL. I think I did two weeks, meniscus gone. So The emotional side of it hit me then, where it's like, I'm 95% certain that's it. Um, And then you just need the actual verbal confirmation in your exit interview. So I remember I did my exit, I missed the last week because I did have that surgery. I was away from the club when they explained that um, your actual exit meeting um, is gonna be a review of your season. And then the week after, we're going to get you to come back in for your list management side of the exit meeting. So I actually went into that first meeting and I didn't know, but I thought that was going to be the handshake, like, thanks, but no contract. And we actually reviewed my handful of games and we went through it. And i was still waiting at the end of that meeting going, "Um, so what's going on? And then they just said, oh, by the way, mate, in terms of where you sit contractually, um, we'll be in touch next week for just to have you pop back in and we'll, we'll plan that out when we're more prepared and whatever. So... Came back in the next week. It was just Brady, Rawlings, GM and Nobbs. Um, but a uh, no, really nice conversation, as, as good as an exit meeting can go, I guess. And by the end, I sort of... Um, they just said, look, what, what do you think about... W- would you try and play footy again? And I said, yeah, look, I still love playing. I like, certainly feel a bit drained with you know training and meetings and things like that. But the actual game day, when I'm up and going, like I really do enjoy it. And they said, well yeah let's let's just stay in touch because we think there might be a bit of a vfl role with some coaching element involved with the way the footy department soft caps gone. they sort of thought there was a bit of a hybrid role that they could create um so yeah about a couple of weeks later the vfl coach called me um lee adams patch adams and um we had a bit of a chat and yeah i sort of i took a few other phone calls from some other local teams and amateur teams just to assess my options but probably all the way through i was i was sort of keen to get a bit of a taste on the coaching side of it while still playing.
0: Have you, have you found it? So you were midfield coach at the left side. have you, have you found that?
1: Really enjoyed it actually. Um, I played the first two games um, and I sort of thought I'll, I'll might play three out of four and then go up into the coach's box for the fourth, but I'm actually really enjoying the playing side of it at the moment. Um, but the coaching's been good. Like I don't have to, you know, chop all the edits up. I've got sort of, the head coach still gives me a bit of a bailout with doing some of the clips and I can just present him, but yep. he's actually doing the hard work clipping him up on his computer from different camera angles so um I think the time he'll probably hand that to me in a few weeks I'm sure he'll say come on mate time to you clip <laughs> your own but I enjoy it because I guess I can do the on-field stuff like you're in a drill um and if you're running the drill you can obviously do your education live in the moment so I like that side of it and um yeah, just getting a bit of a taste. It's it's not a heap of, um, like, I'm not absolutely sinking my feet in because it's um, time. You know, it's VFL. You're yeah. only there twice a week and game day. So it's not a full time thing at all.
0: Yeah, awesome, man. We'll, we'll keep an eye on the VFL starts going through the rest of the year. Um, moving back to Golf and Clutch before we wrap up, man. I think, like, one of the notable things about Clutch & Co. Um, as someone who's gone over the website is the low price point. I mean, we spoke about that last time. I mean, how important is that to kind of the brand? And, I mean, it, it's good golf equipment. It, I mean, compared to what you might get a, a tightless hat or a, you know, a tailor-made top and they're eighty, $80, $90, $110, your price point's significantly lower. I mean, how important is that and how have you kind of balance, how did you come to that decision to be like, this is gonna be where we stand at the moment?
1: Yeah, I guess it was a bit of a strategy to integrate into the market, obviously very competitive with some very established brands. So we thought, well look, you probably got to penetrate at a lower price tier just to see if you can move some product. Um, yeah, the initial strategy, we've got some new, like I'm actually wearing one of our new polos today, which is from a Peru manufacturer. So it's like a nice Pima cotton. That's obviously cost us more to manufacture and land here in Australia. So we'll obviously have to tier our pricing up a bit for this item, um, but I think that should complement some of our other items that are obviously still listed at where they're at now. So um, yeah, it's all just about building, um, you know, your full price list, I guess. So you've, we've got some, puffer vests that will launch in the next month which you know a nice really nice item we're obviously going to put those up at a a market rate we we won't come in lower for those because obviously once again they've cost us more to manufacture so um yeah a lot of it's probably more of a cost plus pricing than a market rate pricing strategy but a bit of combination of of a bit of everything like yeah at the same time like I want to I do like the feeling of um surprising a customer where they've bought something and the feedback's um oh mate for what I pay this is really good quality like that's yeah that's like a little bit of a, a nice reward for, for it all coming together
0: yeah awesome um, and on on your golf um, I mean how are you going at the minute what are you hitting off I remember I saw Adam Tomlinson and Jaden Hunt mention the other day that they've been playing a lot and that Jaden Hunt's the best player at Melbourne yeah um, they were pretty cautious cool to say who's hitting off what and, but what, what, how are you going with yours
1: uh, I'm off 16 um, so it's not great it's, it's alright it's um I can have a good day, a bad day, good hole, bad hole. Um, putting's poor. Uh, driving's poor. Iron play is all right, so I can I can get to the green. Um, so I use a five iron a fair bit off the tee, so it's not too gutsy, but I'll do it just to keep me in play. And then um, I'm only playing probably once a month at the moment. I'd love to play a bit more, but obviously weekends you've got VFL, and I'm trying to spend as much time on clutch and Co yeah. Monday to Friday as possible. So yeah, I'd love to play a little bit more and I reckon I could improve the handicap. But I do, I have played a few times with Adam Tomlinson, who you just mentioned. He shot 74 down at Portie, um, which is a fair day. But I've seen him shoot 100. So don't be fooled. There's still um, a big, uh, whatever you call it, scope. Yeah, big, um, big range.
0: No, I think um, I think everyone wants to play more than they are generally. Yeah. I think except you play once a month. I, I haven't played in about a month, so I'm I'm craving it. at I the minute, mean, hopefully the next two long weekends and find a time to get out, mate. Um, mention up uh, like the events you've had. Is anything upcoming? What's What's in the in the calendar for Clutching Joe coming up?
1: Yeah, good call. We've got um, new products launching hopefully next week. These new polos. So we're just waiting on the imagery to come through from a photo shoot and, and get that all prepped. Puffer vests. I mentioned some new women's polos. Uh, event side of things we're actually hoping to I've got an idea it's just a, an idea but I'd love to run like a golf day where you as you mentioned like the boys are pretty competitive at AFL level about their golf you know who's the best like a bit of a match play thing knockout yeah. match play where it might be um, you know you get the clubs to give their best four bring them in you do a golf day where it's a bit of a knockout six holes or you know something playful like that Yeah, get some video work and photography work and support it in that way but um, I'm not sure if we can get that off the ground I'm not just just an idea yeah Yeah, but we've got a few other things brewing Um, we've got yeah big product launch coming in July August again so it's like another shipment coming in and then um, just keep growing the website
0: yeah awesome mate well Well, that's all we got for you. It's been awesome to chat to you once again. Thanks for coming on. Everyone, we can't stress enough. Make sure you check out Collection Co. on Instagram, TikTok, they're quite prolific now, and head to the website. Mate, thanks so much for coming on.
1: Awesome, Jakey. Thanks, mate.